More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. Never know when you're going to get podcast exclusives that pop up there, things that do not appear on the radio. Go sign up. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. Boom, you will be well on your way to finding a ton of different entertainment out there. Um, And I wanted to play this for you because we were talking about just this crazy world where suddenly cnn in the space of 12 hours yesterday said yeah we've been wildly overcounting covid deaths after we've been telling you that for years and also they do a four or five thousand word expose on the biden crime family and basically acknowledge that the hunter biden laptop is real too so all these things that were supposedly feverish dreams of the far right wing conspiracy theorists are suddenly being uh, confirmed as real. And meanwhile, the New York Times, and I think this is significant because the New York Times business model is essentially to tell far left wing subscribers that they are super smart and they're on the right side of history. That is now their business model. Uh, they were saying this is, these are crazy quotes here that disinformation is leading to the downfall of democracy. And this is like Nazi Germany, Stalinist Russia. This is the New York Times publisher. His family, Sulzberger, owns the Times. Listen. Disinformation and the broader set of misinformation, conspiracy, propaganda, clickbait, you know, the broader mix of bad information that's corrupting the information ecosystem. What it attacks is trust. And once you see trust decline, what you then see is societies start to fracture. And so you see people fracture along tribal lines and, you know, that immediately undermines pluralism. And, you know, the undermining of pluralism is probably the most dangerous thing that can happen to a democracy. Terms like fake news and enemies of the people have been popularized cyclically in society Mm. in some of the most repressive and dangerous moments. You know, Nazi Germany, Stalinist Russia, right? Can I, can I remind everybody, I think this is important, Clay, the term fake news was initially 
used in an anti-Trump fashion to mock the rubes who were believing these things that either Trump said or it was, oh, the Trump voter, essentially. This is back in 2016. The Trump voter believes the fake news. They believe the fake news that's on Facebook. They're the ones. Donald Trump, in actually one of his most most uh, noteworthy moments of jujitsu, turned that around and started calling CNN the fake news. But I think people forget it. It's really important. They were trying to denigrate Trump voters, and Trump turned it around and made it one of the most powerful criticisms of the mainstream media. It really got under their skin. It really bothered them. The story here, I believe, that's going to be told in 50 years, in 100 years, long after everybody listening today is gone, is, I believe, one of Trump fear so gripping left-wing media that they became everything that they claimed Trump was. And I think this is such an instructive lesson in history. You have to be very careful not to become what you hate. And what has occurred at the New York Times and the Washington Post and MSNBC and CNN is they so convinced themselves that Trump was an authoritarian hellbent on overthrowing democracy that they went and did all of the things themselves that they claim Trump would do. And the number one way to think about this, and, and and I just believe this gets to the essence of it so well, when Fauci said, I am the science, the idea that any one person would consider themselves to be the science is such a fundamental rejection of everything that science stands for and the scientific method in general Yet they became so convinced in their certitude, in their rightness, that they couldn't consider the other possibility. And anytime you are convinced of your moral rectitude, that is when true crimes against humanity happen. And, and Buck, this is why I've always said, terrorists aren't funny. And people say, oh, well, what do you mean by that? Humor requires an understanding of nuance and a form of of awareness about yourself that totalitarians cannot accept. And in this country where we're living today, who is the most humorless among us? The woke. The woke, oh, the woke are just totalitarians. They're commies. They're just yes. commies without the full power to have the proletarian revolution that they would claim they want. But there's no different in the mindset. And that's why the idea that I think Republicans need to lean into more and more, and you're starting to see it some, is we're the party of humor. We're the party of jokes. Like We support comedians' ability to sometimes say things that might be a little bit offensive. And we were texting about this last night. I think we're starting to win some of these cultural battles. And it's not getting a lot of attention, but there aren't very many people getting canceled anymore. Right? I, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're going to say something on today's show and <laughs> there's going to be a, a, a huge storm coming after us. But who was the last person with right-leaning values who has ended up getting canceled so I, I think that there's been there's definitely been a shift on this and it is because th- i i believe there's a realization now on the right for everyone who is actually devoted to freedom yes. free speech principles freedom as a general concept constitutional protection of individual rights which is a foundational uh precept of our freedoms so 
anyone who believes in that understands that feeding some of our own to the woke mob never placates them it only encourages them yeah so there is no longer this decision like you'll ne- neither you nor i are ever sitting here like oh did you see what that guy said on tv on <laughs> on newsmax he should never work again like no we don't do that yeah and because i i believe i, I agree with you you should only ever apologize if you're if you offended your own conscience or fell short of your own ideals because as human beings you know you can apologize if you make a mistake but apologizing because of pressure absolutely not and now there's no more pressure from our side internally i think from people to say well if we if we just police our own you know maybe we'll meet in the middle we will not meet in the middle the left has no middle they want totalitarian thought control that's where i th- i think that's a big part of it yeah, and I also think when some people don't apologize, it emboldens other people to do two things. Say what they really think, and also, if they come through the fire, to not apologize either. And I, th- there was so much bending of the knee that this woke cottage industry got lazy, and they just presumed, oh, if we have 20 powerful blue check marks come after you for some opinion that you shared, you're going to apologize and we're going to basically get the scepter of dominance. And then a lot of people said, no, I mean, you don't have to agree with me on anything, but why would I apologize to you for something that I actually believe? Well, also, and and then the other part of this that is probably even a bigger motivation, I just, I was, you know, trying to, trying to stick the landing after doing a couple of flips there, but the basics here, everyone now recognizes you apologize to the left, you are giving them the proverbial rope with which they will hang you. You apologize. Yes. You bend the knee to the left. They want to take your head. There's no more grace. There's no more forgiveness. They just view it as racking up a metaphorical body count of people on the other side of the ideological spectrum that they can hold up there as examples to the rest of you cross up. You better say exactly what we tell you to say. Think exactly what you tell you to think or else this will happen to you too. So when you see that, I think you also recognize you know, you don't want to get Prince Joffrey for the, uh, or you know what I mean? Yeah, Joffrey. That makes well, sense. Well, Joffrey choked on a cake. Spoiler alert. But, well, but I mean, what a... he did to. Oh yeah, yeah. You know. Well, and and I'll give you an example, Buck. In sports, some guy got almost canceled for saying, "Hey, women's sports are not as fun to watch as men's sports." And 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 then like people were like, "Oh, this is really insulting." It's like, no, actually. If you go watch a high school girls basketball game and you go watch a high school boys basketball game, they play back-to-back. Objectively, the men's game is way better. That doesn't mean the women can't play. It doesn't mean the women can't work hard at their craft as well. But men, when they play the same sport as women, are better at them. And generally speaking, men's sports are more fun to watch than women's. Is there a sport, Clay, men of sports, that you think... The female product of that sport as a viewer is superior to the male product. Gymnastics. Interesting. I was going to say either beach volleyball or tennis. Tennis, I like women's tennis because I prefer three sets over five because a five-set match is like a four-hour commitment. I'd rather watch a three-set match. Totally true. And as a tennis weekend warrior uh, who's been playing since he was a little kid, you can get a lot more from the female professional game as a guy because the men's professional game is power. like is actually more interesting to recreational players, I think, in a lot of cases. I mean, not yeah. people that play at the very high level, but if you're a weekend warrior, because it's closer to what you recognize as the tennis that you play. So women's tennis, for sure. And by the way, they have equal purse 
for the U.S. Open and some of these other ones. But yeah, gymnastics are all. Did I've actually I can't even think of a famous male gymnast. And I, well, I, I just think the women's like the 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 way that they do women's gymnastics, like the floor routine for women. Um, the rings are tough to watch for men. I just think the overall product is better for women in gymnastics. I think for you, your argument on tennis is 100% true because there's a lot of power. And so, so yeah. many men's points are super short, you know, one or two strokes as opposed to actually a battle. Yeah. I mean, I'm about, I'm about half as fast and significantly heavier than I used to be when I played soccer as a young lad. But I still think you put me out there with like, you know, a, you know, women's national team. I'd, I'd wreck some ladies on defense, you know, I'd get a ton. So it's just not as, it's, it's like a high school level. It's like a, a good high school level men's game, high level men's game, uh, women's soccer, for example. So it's just not as good of, of a spectator it's sport. Nowhere just, near as good of a product. Yeah. It's just not as good of a product. And that's not anti women sports, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like there was so much fear that even if you said like, you know, men's basketball is better than women's people are like, Oh, how would you dare say that? And now it's starting to circle back around where people can say what they really think. Yeah, I would want to play beach volleyball, but I don't have those kind of abs, man. You got to have abs to play beach volleyball. Male or female. LA listeners know all about this. Like Manhattan Beach, their beach volleyball tournament is one of the coolest, unique sporting events that occurs. They have a monster every year tournament. It's really cool. I'm doing some sports this weekend, going out to the range with the brothers. And I know that training with a firearm is something you have to work on. It takes concentration. You got to put in the app expensive these days. So how do you keep your skills sharp without breaking the bank? So you actually enjoy your time at the range even more. I'll tell you what I do. I train with the Mantis X system. It's a firearms training system that has no ammo and it's an all electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. Simply attaches to your firearm like a weapon light. You can use it at home just as easily as at the range. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique and guides you through drills and courses. Nearly every gun owner who uses the Mantis X improves their shooting within 20 minutes. And it's really fun, too, by the way. You can do this at home. It's cool. Once you set it up and you see you start practicing your trigger pull, the Mantis X is awesome. It's now being used by U.S. military and special forces. It really works. Military-grade technology at a price that's totally affordable for you. The Mantis X, it is a must-have for every gun owner. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. Learn, laugh, and join us on the weekend on our Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We are rolling through the program here, Wednesday edition. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are joined now by Representative Jim Banks, Congressman from Indiana's 3rd Congressional District, just announced that he is a Senate candidate. Uh, Jim, appreciate you giving us the time here. I know you've been a high-ranking member of the Republicans in the House for uh, a decent amount of time now. What was it for you that making the decision to run for the Senate was right for you and your family in the state of Indiana. Yeah, well, good to be with you. You know, I've, I've served in the House. I just started my fourth term. I've been the I've been the chairman of the largest conservative caucus. I've been on the front lines of fighting for the America First agenda over the last six years. I can't tell you how many times I've been so frustrated. While we're fighting the fight in the House. I look over at the Senate and I don't see enough of a fight. And uh, as, as Mike Braun, our current senator, announced he's running for governor of Indiana, it opened up the Senate seat. My wife and I prayed about it, talked to our friends and our family about it. We just feel like Indiana is a conservative state. Indiana conserves, deserves a conservative fighter in the Senate to fight for Hoosier families. And that's what I want to go do, shake it up. We need a new generation of conservative leaders in the Senate, and I want to be a part of it. Congress, Congressman, appreciate you being you being with us. You know, there was obviously a lot of back and forth with uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy and and trying to figure out who the Speaker of the House should be. And it seems that they've reached this accommodation. And from what I can tell so far, looks like things are off to a pretty good start, even for those who perhaps had been previously skeptical of McCarthy's leadership. There's some good things that are happening, some good votes that are ongoing is is that the right read? Uh, am I catching that the right way? And are you expecting more of that? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I, I've I've told people every day since that uh, what happened on the floor, fifteen votes for uh, that led to Kevin McCarthy being speaker, had a lot less to do with Kevin McCarthy and a lot more to do with Nancy Pelosi. Republicans are unified in recognizing that we can't ever allow a speaker to have that much power again, who abuses his or her power with the gavel in their hands that runs over the rest of us. And at the end of the, the 15 speaker votes uh, that tumultuous week, the healthy outcome of it is that, that the rules changes that came out of it empowers rank and file members like me that come from places like Fort Wayne, Indiana, elected by my voters to go to Washington and serve them. I now have more power in my hands to offer amendments on the floor. I now have 
the ability to read a bill at least 72 hours before I'm supposed to vote on it. Uh, Those simple rules changes came out of the week. It empowers members and it allows us to do what we're supposed to do, deliver on the promises that we made. And let me let me uh, finish by saying this last week. We, we began uh, something last week that I think will be a legacy of this uh, Republican majority in the House. And one of the things I want to go to the go over to the Senate and focus on, too, and that's creating a select committee on China for the first time, recognizing that China is our greatest threat economically, militarily. And we created a committee that's devoted uh, to, to focusing on the threat and re- restoring America's strength to combat the threat of China. I see that fight going on in the House. I don't see it going on enough in the Senate, and that's why I want to go be a senator and, and focus on uh, what China is doing, their strategy to dominate America, change our way of life, and fight back against it. We need more fighters in the Senate doing that. Jim, one thing that you guys have already done in the House is ended the COVID shot mandate for military, and you are in the military yourself. You're a lieutenant Navy. How frustrating is it to you that anyone lost their job at all in the military over their refusal to get the COVID shot? Should those people get their jobs back now, potentially with back pay in your mind? And if so, how does that happen? Yeah, this is so important. Um, I served in Afghanistan. I wore the uniform. Uh, proudest moment of my life. I know, I know um, you know what that means. So I... I, and I'm going to lead the I'm going to lead the subcommittee in the effort in the House of Representatives uh, on the Armed Services Committee that I serve to make sure that our troops, who were separated and punished for not taking a pol- highly politicized vaccine, that they get the opportunity to come back and wear the uniform again. So th- this Republican majority is devoted to that. I mean, ending the vaccine mandate was the first step. We saved something like sixty uh, something thousand plus troops that were being threatened with being separated for not taking the vaccine, but there are still several thousand. There are, there are thousands of troops who were separated, who were punished. We got to give them a pathway uh, back to serve our country again. And on top of that, you look at the, uh, all of the branches are way off their recruiting marks. And and I think the, I think the vaccine mandate was a part of it, but I think a bigger part of it is wokeism in the military. And I've, I've tangled with general Milley, some of our top military officials uh, in the house armed services committee hearing room, uh, over this subject, when the top, uh, the top admiral in the United, the CNO, the top admiral in the United States Navy tells our troops to read books written by Ibram X. Kendi that teaches them that America is evil and inherently racist, which is actually the, the anti, the anti-racist movement, which is in and of itself very racist and anti-American. Um, that's, that's not sustainable for our country and the recruitment numbers prove it. How do we inspire the next generation to, to do what I did, uh, raise my right hand and and take an oath and say I'm going to serve and protect my country, maybe even pay the ultimate sacrifice when I go to Afghanistan to serve. How do we inspire the next generation to do that? that At the same time, we're telling them that America is inherently racist, evil, and not worth dying for. That's not sustainable for our country. We've got to fight back against it. We're speaking to Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana. Uh, Congressman, one more for you here. U.S. is going to hit the national debt limit tomorrow. Is this going to turn into anything? What are your thoughts on on whether we should talk about this more, have a fight over it? You tell me. Yeah, we we it better turn into something uh, because we at, we're at a we're at a point where we don't have a choice. We we have to restore America's fiscal health, address a thirty two trillion dollar national debt, and let me tell you, I'm I'm running for the United States Senate because there are way too many Republicans who are go along to get along that roll over in times like this, and and we don't. We can't roll over again. We have to, in the House, we have the majority 
We have to use it. We have to use the debt limit as a leverage point to restore fiscal responsibility in this country. But I don't see that fight enough in the Senate among a lot of my Republican uh, colleagues over there who are fighting back against massive spending bills and, and using the debt limit as a time of leverage. That's why I'm running for the Senate. Go to banksforsenate.com. Help me out. The establishment's already trying to find somebody to run against me. I've got a proven conservative, fiscal conservative track record. I, I, I just believe strongly that we need more conservative fighters in the Senate, and that's why I'm running. Congressman Banks, appreciate you being with us, sir. Good luck to you. We'll talk to you as this uh, Senate battle unfolds. Thank you. Have a good day. My friends, for those of us who cherish the thought of each unborn child being brought into this world, there is a battle going on day in and day out. Sadly, abortion continues at an alarming rate, despite the recent Supreme Court decision in many parts of this country. And now with the abortion pill accounting for over 50 percent of all abortions, which is sold on many local pharmacies, it's just becoming far too easy. The preborn pregnancy clinics continue to stand for the lives of the unborn by providing free ultrasounds to mothers considering abortion. This is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to helping mothers make the right decision to give life to their unborn babies. Preborn does that by providing care, counseling, support, and free ultrasound treatments. Once a mother hears that heartbeat and sees that precious life growing inside her, she is twice as likely to choose life. But Preborn doesn't stop there. They provide counseling, diapers, baby clothes, and assistance for up to two years. This all happens with your donations. One ultrasound is just $28. Could you make that donation today? Could you make a bigger one, a leadership-level donation perhaps? Using your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Remember, these are tax-deductible donations, by the way, and your donations go toward saving babies' lives. From your cell phone, dial pound 250, say baby, or if you want to donate online, just go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K. 100% of your tax-deductible donation will go toward saving babies' lives. Sponsored by Preborn. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24-7. My friends, we wanted to talk to you here on Clay and Buck uh, for a few minutes with an update, or, or rather updates, on two crime stories uh, that we've been discussing with you on the show. The quadruple slaying in Idaho, or I'm sorry, in uh, Moscow, Idaho, um, and also the disappearance of this uh, mother, uh, Anna Walsh, from the Boston area. Uh, Clay, let's start with this development. Now, it's not confirmed by law enforcement, but one thing we've been talking about all along, this is about Brian, the Brian Koberger, who allegedly murdered four college students in Moscow, Idaho. I'm sure you all know the story. It's been a huge national story, horrific and and. Um, and, and very attention-grabbing in the news cycles um, because of the brutality of these murders, uh, that, that Brian Koberger, you and I had assumed, Clay, all along, there had to be some connection to these four of some kind. That doesn't mean they were even aware of the connection, but in his mind that he would go after these four in this way. And now there is a report, now it's a source to People magazine, that but the source claims that Brian Koberger directly messaged on instagram and this is very common practice a lot of guys will try to ask a woman out or something randomly they'll just reach out on instagram it happens all the time athletes you know professional athletes do it and etc 
but he may have reached out to one of these uh, young women and was ignored, and he kept, this is, of course, when it gets creepy and even psychotic, kept reaching out, kept saying, hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? What do you think, Clay? It doesn't surprise me at all. Um, And I have sons, so I'm glad that I do. But if I had daughters or I had granddaughters, I would be so nervous about what is being put up on Instagram all the time because I think it makes stalking, I think it makes harassment possible on a level that maybe these 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old girls aren't thinking about. But in his mind, if he had psychological issues, and I think based on many of the details coming out, this guy had many psychological issues – he could have convinced himself by just clicking on her profile and looking at what she was putting out there that they had some sort of relationship. Maybe when he's sending her messages and she's not responding, he's getting angrier and angrier. We know the reports have been out there, Buck, that they could track his cell phone to within uh, close proximity to her home at least 12 different times. In some way, I think that social media can aid obsessions such as this. And I don't know that a lot of these girls sit around thinking about this when they're sharing pictures and videos of their friends, not just on Instagram, but on TikTok and other places. Make them private. Make them private, Buck. I I agree, and I would just say it is also possible here that he may have because on Instagram, if you don't know the person and, and there's they definitely didn't know the, you know, there was not so a far, connection, there hasn't been any report. They knew of no reporting of an actual connection, meaning they knew each other in any kind of a social sense or anything else. But it goes into the request folder and along with a lot of spam and a lot of. So it's also possible that he may have been sending. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Messages that she didn't even see. And he just yeah. kept getting crazier and crazier. And she was entirely unaware that there was this crazy person. Again, I'm surmising, but based on this report, that is possible. Um, and then the other true crime story that we've talked about Grip here. the nation, and, basically. Uh, an, another, you know, grisly murder uh, situation. This guy, Brian Walsh, who is... Uh, who is now has been we told we broke the news, I believe, on the show yesterday, right? It was breaking news while we were on air, has been arrested for the murder of his wife, Anna Walsh. They still have not found her body, but they have found her bloody clothing. They found um, uh, a cl- uh, bloody clothing. I th- they, they have video of Brian Walsh buying cleaning solvents and things of that nature. $50 in cleaning products. And yeah, all of a sudden had a really intense cleaning job that he had to do. But, Clay, the Google searches, we've mentioned some of them. He Google searched on his children's iPad, on his child's iPad, dismembering body with a hacksaw, cleaning up blood. Can you identify a body with broken teeth? I think this guy did it, Clay. I think it's pretty clear this guy was so, um, you know, monstrous that he was... Googling how to commit the most sort of grisly murder cleanup thing imaginable. Did he not know that this stuff would be found? It's, it's, it's almost remarkable in the sloppiness of it. Yeah. I mean, what, what, I mean, it's just an awful story. I think we said yesterday they, they have the, the 
he and his wife that it appears he killed have multiple kids. Yeah. And it's in a sort of coastal community in Boston where there's almost no crime. A lot like the Idaho one, right? I mean, there hadn't been a crime in Moscow in seven years, a murder. And suddenly you have this quadruple homicide and also in this community uh, that is a bedroom community of Boston to have this also occurring. Um, you know, there's lots of evil in the world. And and I would just reiterate again, a lot of parents listen to this show. A lot of grandparents listen to this show. If you have daughters and granddaughters, they should not have public Instagram profiles. You should not be able to type in their name and go see a hundred different photos of they and their girlfriends and everything that they've been doing in their life. And by the way, if you're a 20-year-old girl, if you're in college and you're listening to us right now, it's not only about danger potentially from people out there that you don't know. Again, make it so you're only your friend group can see what is going on in your life. But also, even if it's not violent nature like this, you don't want all of the people that you're trying to get to hire you to be able to see every single thing that you're doing in your private life when you're in college. Because a lot of that stuff probably is not something that you would want an employer to have access to. The truth is, unless you'd be fine with your entire family seeing it, you shouldn't put it on the internet. That's really, you know, meaning unless, unless you be, look, that, you know, you can pick, that means you can post photos in, you know, bathing suits and having fun or whatever. But, you know, taking bong rips and some of the things that I see people posting on, you know, social media, when they're when they're young, when they're college age, it is not a good idea. Uh, I, so I, I agree with you, Clay. I, I would also just add to this: uh, this is this is this is all already confirmed that this guy Brian Walsh he Googled ten ways to dismember a body. Does baking soda make a body smell good? And how long is someone missing before you can inherit? I mean, this guy basically Googled a confession letter is yeah. really what this is. So it sounds like he was trying to kill her for life insurance money, which would make some sense because he was also previously convicted of trying to sell a piece of artwork, uh, a Warhol, I think. I mean, his background, I was reading about this uh, ye- yesterday evening to try to familiarize myself even more with this case. Um, the other thing out there, I would say, building on the way that these stories have been told. Buck, this is one of the dangers, I think, of this influencer community. I think that almost every pretty 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old girl thinks, oh, I'm going to be an influencer. I'm going to make a living on Instagram. You can't do that with a private profile. And so I think a lot of these girls, primarily girls, there are not that many guys who do it, they're trying to get as big of an audience as they can on Instagram and a lot of that audience is not necessarily very desirable people, frankly. Um, so I think you just got to be careful. You got to talk to your kids and make them aware of some of the pratfalls and dangers that are out there they might not otherwise be thinking of because there are a lot of evil people out there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are rolling through the Wednesday edition of the program. We're joined now by Chad Robichaux, former Force Recon Marine, and Aziz, an interpreter he rescued from Afghanistan, inspiring a new book, Saving Aziz, how the mission to help one became a calling to rescue thousands from the Taliban. Uh, also, Save Our Allies has been founded by Chad, a nonprofit that evacuated 17,000 people from Afghanistan, currently operates in Ukraine as well. Uh, Chad and Aziz are in our New York City studio right now. We appreciate you guys being here. And Chad, I, I will start with you. Many people, I think, have forgotten about the chaos that came with our evacuation from Afghanistan. But since we left there, there are reports that thousands of people who have connections to America, who worked for American soldiers, are still stuck behind in Afghanistan. What have you seen and what can you tell us about the situation on the ground in Afghanistan right now? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't believe this is uh, not by accident that this has been... Um not just forgotten, but swept under the rug. And the mainstream media has really been reluctant to report on it. And I think the White House has done everything they could to hide this, uh, this story. Uh, we still have 75,000 of our, uh, of our interpreters that are qualified for SIV, special immigrant visa, uh, uh, program. And, and not only qualify, but were promised by our government for their service to us for 20 years. Uh, they're still in Afghanistan, uh, as well as other lily pad countries around the world. In addition to that, we have their family members and each of them 
or uh, or vulnerable. You're talking about 300,000 people that that have uh, served the American American effort in Afghanistan, and all of them are vulnerable. They're being systematically hunted down, pulled out of their homes at night, beaten, tortured, killed, and executed for their for their service to our country. And uh, you know we we have a State Department that's refusing to acknowledge it uh, to do the right thing, and uh, and it's still happening every day. And and meanwhile, uh, you know we have 40 million Afghan residents, uh, 20 million women that are being sexually enslaved, uh, dealing with you know Sharia law. The, not the Taliban 2.0, but the the same old brutal, uh, you know, dash terrorist uh, that they are, uh, who are who are uh, marrying off nine year old girls and eleven year old girls uh, for a few hundred bucks, taking advantage of the, the starving their people to make them desperate. Uh, who is just last week uh, uh, took away women's medical rights by saying that women are allowed to see uh, male doctors, but they're not allowed to be doctors and they're allowed to be educated. And so the whole thing is just terrible. And uh, the fact that the White House has done a, such a effective job of making this go away is uh, is more the reason of why I want the, this book out, Saving Aziz, so people know the truth. Hey, Chad, it's Buck. Really appreciate you joining us, and, and thank you for your service, sir. Um, what would you like to see the Biden administration do? I mean, if, if you could get a sit-down with Biden and you know top national security uh, apparatus folks, what do you think is is the path forward if they were to get serious and engage on this issue and keep the word of the American government that was given to those who were helping people like you who were serving our country in uniform in Afghanistan? Yeah, well, it's a uh, it's a really good question. You know, first of all, and I, I, you're not asking a question; it goes in hindsight. But I have to say, um, the American people were lied to and said that the that we were in a 20-year war, we're endless war, we have to end this war, we have to get out. And I think everyone really believed that. But the truth is, uh, that's that's a lie, and it's not consistent with historical successes of military strategy in the, in the United States. We had 2,500 troops to 4,000 troops in Afghanistan. And in 2018, we stopped participating in a conventional uh, fight against the Taliban, and we started a support and advisory role with the Afghan National Army and Afghan National Police. And the entire international community was participating at Bagram Air Force Base, the most strategic place in the globe between Iraq, Iran, Russia, and China. And and for us to give that up uh, it, it, for saying we have to move out 2,500, 4,000 troops. Meanwhile, we have 80,000 troops in Japan and 40,000 troops in Germany since World War II, 35 troops in South Korea since World War II. These contingencies keep the world safe and make us and keep us out of future wars. And we were we didn't negotiate with our international allies we didn't negotiate with nato we didn't negotiate with the afghan government we put in place for 20 years we only negotiated with the taliban and handed our handed that strategic location over to the taliban without supporting the afghan government we put in place and it created a complete collapse so uh to answer your question right now it's very difficult to do the right thing because of the situation that was created uh, i think the only thing that could be done was for the uh that could be done now is for the the state department to have a clear process for SIV applicants for uh, for P1, P2 visas that qualify for a, a pathway to citizenship based on their service to America. But then you, you forced, you're forced in a situation now where there is no U.S. embassy in, in Afghanistan. There is no uh, consulate for them to go to apply for visas. They have to go to the Taliban and basically surrender themselves as an enemy of the state uh, of a Taliban and surrender themselves in order to try to get to America. So, you know, it's tough to answer that question, Buck, and it's a good question. But, um, you know, we this administration has put this uh, situation uh, to where it's it's almost with, uh, unrecoverable.
Chad, I know there's many reasons you're doing what you are doing for the people left behind in Afghanistan, but also Aziz, who is sitting with you right now, saved your life. What is that story? Well, I mean, we, you know, I was I was very fortunate as a force recon marine. I was selected to go be part of a JSOC task force, a Joint Special Operations Command task force, and part of that role was working in a singleton capacity, meaning by myself, and going out ahead of my unit to uh, build the clandestine infrastructure to put our assaulters on target to capture or kill bad guys. And in doing that, I was assigned to a local national, which was Aziz. He was my interpreter. Eventually, vetted, trained. Uh, polygraphed to become my teammate, my sole teammate, and uh, and you know through eight deployments which we did together to keep the continuity, he became my friend. Uh, he saved my life multiple times. He probably saved my life every day. Like don't walk there, don't eat that, don't talk to that person. If you talk right now, they're gonna kill us. Like he saved my life every day. And when we got done operating the mountains of Afghanistan or, or across the border in Pakistan, I didn't go to base and he went home. I went home with him. He his first our first hot meal out of those cold mountains was by his by his wife Hatra, and and then I was there when Mashud and Mashuda is oldest son and daughter were born and I held them as babies like he's family to me and so to leave him there during the withdrawal was uh, something I could never have left uh, lived with I mean I had to go and help and we put a small team together uh, to go originally to just go get Aziz and uh, as we we're putting this team together uh, you know most incredible special operations guys that I knew and, and veterans that I trusted about 12 of us one of us pointed out a really great good point that I was being a little selfish to get my friend that there was other people other interpreters uh, American citizens Women, children, uh, Christians that be persecuted that needed help too, and we made a decision in that moment. I believe we're all pretty strong people of faith. We believe that God was really just burdening our hearts to do the right thing and help these people, and we made a decision to to be obedient to that burden and uh, and say yes to go. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, uh, we, I, I believe, we witnessed a divine miracle happen in the next three days that uh, made it possible to not just rescue Aziz and his family, but seventeen thousand people. The book is Saving Aziz, How the Mission to Help One Became a Calling to Rescue Thousands from the Taliban, author Chad Robichaud, former recon Marine. Chad, we appreciate you, sir. Thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks to Aziz as well. Appreciate you guys being in studio. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if one of your goals this year is to do business with companies that can just embrace your values, start with your cell phone service by switching to Pure Talk today. Proudly veteran-owned, they employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. Plus, there's Pure Talk service. It's great. Kicks ass. They access one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying at Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. With Pure Talk, you keep your phone and your same phone number. Switch is easy. can take as little as 10 minutes plus pure talk first month risk-free guarantee try it if you're not completely happy you'll get your money back and that's how you do it now it's easy from your cell phones right now dial pound 250 say clay and buck you'll save an additional 50 percent off your first month again dial pound 250 say clay and buck pure talk is simply smarter wireless making sense in an insane world clay travis and buck sexton more Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.